Sting, which is like my favorite movie of all time, uh-huh. also wrote Major League. That's not surprising because both are good. Yeah, yeah. Unlike the, he didn't write the second one though. No, because the second one was awful. It it's was... like, hey, let's clean up the first one for being too naughty, and then we'll make it the second one. I still watched it, and there's parts I've of seen it, it. Parts of it that are funny, but it's definitely not the same as the original. You know what? There are a couple like when they have like the bags of marbles and they're shaking them in the dugout. Mm-hmm. I oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. That was funny. And he's running around doing the thing with it where he's juggling the marbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they took all the smut out of it. They took kind of some of the, the more adult aspects out of it and made it a movie for kids. And they made, uh, you know, Wild Thing turn into, like, a try to be a corporate guy. Yeah. But that's not that's against his nature. That's not going to work. I will never see the third one. Back to the Miners. Are you kidding me right now? Why would I ever see that? That's an abomination. <laughs> I went to the world premiere of that movie. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Oh my god. And how was, it, was it? It was at the Bruin Theater in right by UCLA over in Westwood. And uh, it's an hour and forty minutes, I'll never get back. Hey everybody. And welcome back to the next installment of Raisin, Raisin Brent. Brent. And I'm Ray. And I'm Brent. We're gonna be talking some sports today. We got a lot of stuff going on in this show right mm-hmm. here. We got sports and pop culture and neat things. Stuff. Stuffs. Things, things, exclamation points, Items. excitement. Now we're going to be uh, bullet points. We're going to be talking about the AFC and NFC championship games. Hey, Brent, we have Super Bowls. Yay. We have some Super Bowls. Yay. Um, we're going to be talking. Well, you, you got an exclusive interview. I did. Um, I did. You did it without me, which is really, really nice of you to do. Well, you were at work. And I do have to work. Life yeah. goes on while you're at work, Ray. Okay. No, I'll go with that. Uh, you interviewed Brown CEO Joe Banner. Yes, sir. Talking about the new hire. It was Mike Patton. Not as hard to get an interview with him as I thought it would be. Well, if you just say, you know, you don't tell people that you're from the internet. You just tell people because he might associate you with the people who asked openly, clowns? Are there three stooges running the operation? Right. And he wouldn't want to talk to you at that Mm-mm. point. But you didn't. You were very polite to him. And I, I'd like to hear, I haven't actually heard the interview yet. I can't wait to hear it with everybody else. Yeah. We're also going to talk a little bit about. The Justin Bieber. Oh. What is happening with this dude? Oh, I'm no longer a believer. Not that I ever was a believer. Baby, I wasn't. baby, baby, no. We'll be talking about that a little bit. But first off, we got to be talking about the big signing for the New York Yankees. That's why we were talking about Major League. That's right. Because it launched into it, and then I'd hit the record button because you know what? We may as well be recording since we're already talking about yeah, it. Yeah, funny is that, the, you know, Tanaka, same last name as the... The left fielder from was he left fielder? I think he was left fielder from Major League. He two. was an outfielder because yeah. he kept running into the he wall. Kept over running and over into again. the wall. I think he's just trying to get out of the lineup. Why not? That's what I'm saying. So is it weird though that all the Japanese players seem team to go to the Yankees or I mean they go to the Dodgers, the Yankees, and what the Mariners? Sometimes That's it. The Mariners. Yeah, I guess it's the Japanese, be Seattle, and Nintendo coast. thing. Yeah. Or they yeah. just really like Starbucks coffee, but you can get that anywhere these days. What's the big deal? Yeah, you don't really see it happening. You know, I mean, Kansas City has Bruce Chen, but he's been to ten different teams, and he's actually from Panama. So <laughs> counts. 
It absolutely can. Well, you look at the history of people that have gone to the New York Yankees. You've got Hideki Arabu. He was a bust, but still yeah. fun because he was really fat and he was full of like arrogance. And he was, and he was just this fat Japanese dude. And he came over acting like they asked him, remember Hideki Arabu, mm-hmm. they asked him, is it going to be weird playing in front of all those people in New York City? He's like, be please. I played 10 times as many people in Tokyo, you know, a city way bigger than New York City. But, you know, I'm sure this will be pressure, too. I remember when he would strike people out, he would go, I'm excited to see you make that joke about somebody other than Matt Stafford. Nice. That fills well, me with joy. Yeah, right? My goodness. But you also have, I mean, Ichiro, who obviously did go to Seattle, but now most recently is wearing the pinstripes of the New York Yankees. Yankees, yeah. But then you talk to yourself. You think the Dodgers are also a good destination spot for Japanese players. Yeah. I mean, you had Hideo Nomo there. Hideo Nomo. Mm-hmm. Nomo mania. All right, now they have Ryu. Young Young Ryu. Which, you know, they had an option, Ryu or Ken. And I'm excited to say that they took the Ryu option. Right. Ken, not as cool. Are you good? Are you good? Sonic Boom. No, yeah. that's 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 Jean Claude. Sonic Bam. Boom. Tiger. Sonic Boom. Tiger. Uppercut. I was a Blanca guy on uh, Street Fighter Two. Were you? Yeah, I just I just loved a dude that would run up. He could electrocute you, and he could also just eat your head. It's like chomp, chomp, chomp. And then you go to try to jump on top of him, and all of a sudden he just gets low to the ground. Yeah. You know, Ninja. I was a Ninja Dalsim player. No, because mm. only because we used to have a little tournaments, so we'd all come over, and then nobody ever wanted to play Dalsim or Zangief, but Zangief sucked. Dalsim was good because of the reach. The that reach. That's the main reason. That's it. You could just reach. sit back and be cheap as all get out if they get close. Yoga. Fire. Uh, Chun-Li <sighs> was great because, you know. She, she was annoying. She's so fast. No, yeah, but she wore a little you know, outfit. She was like 13. She, no, she was. I wouldn't say she was that hot that she was 13. She was maybe like an eight, eight and a half. No, I. Never mind. There is a rule for fighting games, though, going up on about. It's like if you don't know how to play and you've never played before, generally speaking, your best bet, go with one of the ladies because they're always going to have speed and they're always going to be devastating. She would do like that helicopter thing. She'd get upside down and spin around like a helicopter, yeah. which normal. She was not 13. How would you? How can you even tell a, if a video game character is 13? Because she's in a Japanese video game. So you're game? telling me a 13-year-old girl is supposed to be fighting Ken and Ryu, these grown men. Yes. Have you played these, any like, Japanese games before? Yeah, I would. I, I watched the movie uh, Kill Bill, and they didn't have... Oh, that counts. They didn't have 13-year-old girls fighting grown men. Oh. Yeah, about that. The girl with the giant ball and chain, and she's kicking it at people? The school girl? What are you talking about? Kill Bill. Yeah. There's the girl in the tea house. And they also had Lucy Liu. Yeah, they had other people in the movie. But that being said, I remember the old Resident Evil games, and you look at like the bios, and it'd be like Jill Valentine, aged 22. She's got a two PhDs, and she's been she's been a soldier for eight wars, and it's like she's 22 in anyway, your world. Anyway, the point is it's not this even is it's not a real person. It's a character in a game, Ray. It's like talking about, oh, man. That you just made my point for me. Wilma Rubble was so hot. And you're like, oh, dude, come on. She was married. I was like, she's a cartoon character. Who cares? She was pretty hot, though. Yeah, for real. I was into those pearls. Anyway, we're going to be getting on with the show, talking a little bit of sports, a little pop culture, and a little bit more here on this installment of Raisin Brent. So we'll be right back to talk a little NFL action after three seconds of Django Reinhardt. Oh, <laughs> 
And we are back on our brown-themed music show. That's right. Isn't that exciting? Because you got Out of that big interview for our interview today. That's from, right. Yeah, we got. Well, you interviewed Joe Banner, CEO of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Don't make Joe Banner angry. Well, I guarantee you would not like him when he's angry. That's right. The AFC and NFC Championship games are now in the books. They are. The Denver Broncos defeated the New England Patriots. The Seattle Seahawks held off. Those intrepid San Francisco 49ers, what are your initial thoughts, just generally speaking, about both of those games? Uh, the Denver game, I felt like, see, uh, I'm sorry. The Denver game, I felt like New England just didn't play very well. They did not play well. Is it partially due to the fact that they're just playing not that good and completely overachieved this year? That's a 12-4 and four team that should probably be an 8-8 eight and eight team. Being nice. It's Tom Brady and a bunch of dudes. I mean, that's possible. That's possible. Belichick just did a masterful job and then just couldn't, you know, when he got to the big game, didn't have enough. At a certain point, talent is needed in order to keep on going through the ranks. I mean, you can't take a mediocre team to the Super Bowl unless you're playing Madden. But, I mean, that being said, you know, it was still, you know, they're a two-point conversion away from, like, being right in the game. But they got all their points at the end, too, though. I mean, after Denver had already built their big lead up. Yeah. I'm just saying. And what about the Seattle? Well, we'll talk about the Seattle game in a second. I have a little bit more I want to say about the Denver-New England game was the fact is coming into the game, they were tied one-to-one. Uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady meeting each other in the AFC Championship game with both teams, I believe, winning on their home field. So you had that going into it already, and I and I looked at the numbers, and I said to myself, and I think I said on the show here, New England is going to win this game because it's being played in Denver, it's being played in January, and it's going to be very, very cold outside. So what happens? The game starts, and I see it's 65 degrees and sunny, and I go, uh-oh, Carl Lewis style, only because I'm guaranteed at that point, this isn't a cold weather game. Peyton Manning's going to shine today. And sure enough, 400 yards, four touchdowns. You can put it on the board. Well, yes. he didn't actually do that. But, I mean, he could have done it had he been given more time in the game. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just. That, that game okay, was, moving that, on. That game was, it was a boring game. You know what I mean? It, there was nothing exciting about the game. It wasn't. It was just a grind to watch. It's just, here's Denver. It's like a heavyweight boxing match where one guy's a little bit bigger, Denver. Then the little guy, New New England, and all he's just he's just leaning on him the whole time, leaning right? on him, and he's and he leaning also has, on him, he has short punches, he has reach on him, and he so he's just not letting him get to him. He's like it was like a Lennox Lewis fight. That's what it was, kind of. Yeah, I, I could absolutely agree with that. He's just I'm going to use my weight. I'm going to wear you down, and then at the end, and at the end, to be fair though, New England did show heart. They came back with their scores late. Mm-hmm. They did in fact make a game out of it. You're right, a two point conversion away from it being like a legitimate competition. And then just a really bad onside kick, too, you know. It's just nothing happened. And then, yeah. and then you know, play the Price is Right tuba music, you know. And then it was over. Peyton Manning on his way to the championship game. Not much to say about it. It's just congratulations to Denver. Mm-hmm. They got it done. New England did not have enough left. Did not maybe even have enough period to stand up to that Denver team on that stage. Well, what's weird is, you know, I mean, you know, all the weapons that New England's missing, and you have to play with who you play with. But Denver just lost their best cornerback last week, so I thought really that that Tom Brady was going to have a little more chance to exploit it than they did. I mean, they just didn't really get anything done 
until the end of the game, and it was too late. And then not even that. Von Miller was out the entire time as well. That's right. So you, I just thought they would have mounted more offense because, as we've talked about before, Denver's defense, not that good. Uh, are people still having the debate about whether Danny Amendola's just as good as <laughs> Wes Welker? Uh, no. Although Wes Welker is really, really good at cheap-shotting cornerbacks for New England to taking them out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that play. I mean, it's. I feel like, if anything, it could be offensive pass interference, but I don't think it's a dirty play. I mean, I don't think Wes Welker... <laughs> He's not known for delivering cheap shots on people. And for Bill Belichick after the game to, you know, coincidentally after he finally lost a game complaining about someone else playing dirty. Oh, that's pretty weird. That's interesting. Uh, why don't we all complain about how you haven't won a Super Bowl since you got caught cheating? Uh, to be fair, though, now that he's not allowed to surveil the opposite team, he never saw that hit coming. Oh, oh my goodness. The other thing I would say, though, is one of, I think my favorite thing about the fact that Peyton Manning has now taken the Denver Broncos to the Super Bowl is, you know, all those people out there who couldn't help but remind you that Tim Tebow had won more playoff games with the Denver Broncos than Peyton Manning yeah. after last year's one and done through an improbable Baltimore victory when the Broncos quite honestly should have been in the Super Bowl last year as well. You don't hear those Tebow people talking so loud anymore. They're not so much thumping their chests and standing on top of taxi cabs in Times Square and shouting to the heavens, Tebow! They're not doing that. Moving on to the NFC Championship game. You had the Seattle Seahawks, and that was a slugfest. Seattle versus It was. I mean, look, even though I did not pick the right team, I feel like that team should have won that game. You think? And, well... Let's consider the fact that there were at least three egregiously bad calls that changed the game. Minimum three agree. Now, and I have a theory on this, is that the Seattle Seahawks fans, of which all of a sudden there's a million of them, there's a veritable plethora of Seattle Seahawks fans dripping out of the woodwork, people you didn't even know were into sports, suddenly repping the Seahawks on their Twitter and their Facebox and their My Rooms. I mean, the worst one, the worst play to me was when Navarro Bowman clearly clearly with not people even around him strips the Denver player of the ball has it recovers while, it while he's tearing his knee up destroys on, his knee to do on the it. way down still holds onto the ball and the refs are like we didn't see that well we decided when they said we said it's a fumble but this we there was no clear recovery and then but we can't can't review we it can't review it <laughs> Why do we have review if if like a play that that's obvious cannot be reviewed? And I thought all turnovers were reviewed. Well, it wasn't a turnover, it Ray. It was a potential turnover. But it wasn't, Ray. Is this the same way that the Lions got boned when it, it wasn't a scoring play, but it was a potential scoring play, so they changed the rule? So this is now going to have its rule changed? I mean, it was ridiculous. Now, that's not to take anything away from Seattle at the end of the Very game. Very good team. That play that Richard Sherman made was, that's a man's play right there. Now, was that Richard Sherman making a great play or Kaepernick making a terrible throw or a combo platter of the two? It was It was a combo of the two. Okay. Uh, you know, Kaepernick, they had plenty of time. He should have thrown it a little more where only where only the guy can he can get it or nobody can get it. Double coverage. I mean, Richard or, Sherman was on his back and there was a guy standing right in the area. Or maybe don't throw to the best corner in the league, you know, when you have two timeouts left and it's first down. Can we all agree that that interception was only the cause of Michael Crabtree being bad and talking too much? No. Cuz that seems to be what Richard Sherman thinks. 
Because quite famous, and I'll, uh, before I get into Richard Sherman, okay, before I get in there, you're right. The refs absolutely blew this game. As I was trying to say before, the Seattle fans who have been complaining about the 2006 Super Bowl in my hometown of Detroit against the Steelers and claiming that the refs stole that game from them, debatable. I think Pittsburgh was a better team than Seattle that year, even though Sean Alexander was a beast out of legendary status that particular season. They scream and whine and complain and and be themselves just because they say the refs stole that game away from us. Boo-hoo, wah-wah, we're Seattle. Can we now put that argument to bed? Because the refs have given the Seattle Seahawks another trip to the Super Bowl because that's a one-score game. And any one of a number of things can happen, but not only the play you're talking about, which was very egregious, there was the – well, there was Russell Wilson getting called for intentional grounding, but it had to take a committee. Jim Harbaugh running onto the field and, and acting like an airplane, yeah. spinning around and screaming and shouting and, and throwing things at people. But not only that, there's the play where they called running into the kicker when by letter of the law of the NFL rule book, if you hit a kicker in his plant leg below that the is... knee, it has to be a 15-yard rough. That's why they have that rule. That's that... why they have the distinction. That's what it is. I mean, and Jim Harbaugh was, I thought he was going to have an aneurysm on the sideline. He's making gesticulations that would make Marcel Mar so happy out there. Just wild and exciting. Yeah, it was. He was a mime. That's his, I mean, it's I disturbing know. to me because I'm thinking like, I'm not even a fan of either one of these two teams. I can't imagine how mad I would be. If I was a Niners fan. If my team was getting, and to be fair, you could get lessened a little bit because you did play in the Super Bowl last year. Yes, at least you got there the year before. It's not like this is your one opportunity and they ripped it from you. Now, that being said, San Francisco, with all these calls that went against them, yeah. still had the last chance to win the game. They sure did. And they had lots of success dinking and dunking the ball down the field. They still had a timeout left in their back pocket, if I remember it correctly. They had two timeouts left. There you go. Two timeouts left at the end. They've driven it all the way into or near the red zone. And what does Kaepernick do? He goes for it all in one play into double coverage with Richard Sherman covering. Why isn't he taking more heat for this? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I pictured. I really thought what was going to happen at the end of that game was everyone was going to run to the end zone on some play, and Kaepernick was just going to run into the end zone, a la Vince Young. He versus, was going to straight Rose Bowl it. Yeah, he was going to Texas versus USC it in the national championship game. And with two timeouts to go, like you got the whole middle of the field open, and you've had success doing it. And a bunch of guys that aren't named Richard Sherman to throw to. Hey, that helps. Hey, you mean the guy who potentially could be the defensive player of the year? We go away from that guy? This guy, is Cray talk. The guy who has 20 interceptions in the first three uh, years of his career? But to be fair, though, what has he done this past year as far as intercept? Oh, he led the league in interceptions Aww. this year. That's right. That's my bad. To be fair, though, Richard Sherman did not get that interception. Yeah. So how? Oh, he just knocked it to the guy who got the interception. Right. Oh, my bad. On the plus side, though, at least Richard Sherman at the end of the game was super humble in his interview with Aaron Andrews and didn't channel 1980s Greg the Hammer Valentine. Yeah, he had. Oh, that was pretty funny because he's like, just goes off and like, you know, don't you ever test me. Don't you ever talk about me. And then Aaron Andrews is like. Who's been talking about you? Who's talking about you? Who's no, it's Crabtree. Baby. It was like it was like a mom, like a kid that had gotten but Yeah. Like, I got beat up at school. Baby, who beat you up at school? Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree beat me up at school. But I punched him. Okay, calm down. Here, here's the bag. Breathe. Breathe. It reminded me a lot of Mr. T as Clubber Lang <laughs> after he had beaten Rocky. 
Oh, in Rocky was, Three, right? That's perfect. It says, um, uh, Rocky has issued. Do you accept the challenge from Rocky Balboa? Only- no, I reject the challenge because Rocky Balboa is no challenge. However, I'd be happy to beat him up a little more. Yeah. Beautifully done. Well, I mean, where do you fall on the side of this? Because some people say, you know, Richard, this is, it's coming out of emotion, you know, or even within the context of that, I mean, it was a good two, three minutes after the play happened. Would it be fair, and, and may, this is maybe me being stupid, would it be fair to say that this is a gray area that has many different opinions and you don't have to make it a black and white thing? I'm not talking about race. I'm just talking about this does not have to be all one thing, all another thing. Okay, that's true. Uh, but I'm asking you because I have an opinion. What's your opinion, Ray? Okay, I'll tell you right now. Richard Sherman is a fantastic player. And he plays the passion. I think that that argument about he's a passionate guy, you're catching him in the heat of the moment, he's flush with emotion, he's going to the Super Bowl for his first time ever, and he did it as the favorite, which means it's a lot of weight lifted off of his chest. I I think it's fine that he kind of did what he did. Now, what I don't like about it is he did not need to call Michael Crabtree out by name. Mm-hmm. Michael, to my knowledge, have you seen any interviews with Michael Crabtree where he's been talking smack and saying, I'm going to beat Richard no. Sherman? Yeah. No. If that exists, it's purely in his head. It's purely in his mind or they're texting back and forth or it happened on the field. And I don't care what you guys were saying on the field. I expect a level of that in every game. I would just say, you know, maybe give your opponent credit. Because as Lou Holtz always used to say, if you say your opponent is trash, that makes you not that good for beating them. So you got over on Michael Crabtree. Congratulations. But if he's crap, you're slightly better than crap. Yeah. So I, I don't you're think saying you that a guy is sorry him. and you almost lost to this guy. Yeah. You were one score away from losing to the guy who you just said sucks. Yeah. What does that make you? You were six inches away from Crabtree catching that ball. You know, congratulations on beating the guy you say is bronze five. That just makes you bronze four. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, yeah. And I, surprisingly, Ray, agree with you on this. No! No! Yes. Oh, go ahead and play the music. No, what was so well on the same page? I don't believe it's the first time for everything. Because, you know, I have 36 episodes. I hear these people saying, you know, Richard Sherman, oh, well, I'm going to give him a pass because it was all it was all coming out of just emotion right at the end of the game. Sure. I'm sorry. This is Super Bowl 46. There have been 48. There have been 44. Okay, 48. Yes, sir. That means that there have been 90, 90 some other times when teams have probably won in really close games, and not one time at the end of any of those games did I see somebody come out and go, Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm Dwight Clark, and we're going to the Super Bowl because. <laughs> because I jump really high. And, and you're I that guy's that sorry. <laughs> Nobody else ever did that. And we're talking about Deion, guys like Deion Sanders being in multiple Super Michael Bowls. Michael Irvin. And Michael Irvin, and we didn't hear that. <laughs> We so, hear it now. <laughs> you know, when you say it's you're giving him a pass because it's coming out of emotion, stop. Get out of here because plenty of other people have been just as emotional thousands in the past. Have okay. been just as emotional and still have not done what he did. And what do you expect? You put a, you know this guy's fiery. You know this guy likes to talk trash. You're going to put a microphone in his face literally just moments after he wins his team into the Super Bowl with an amazing like Herculean level play. Mhm. And all of a sudden, you're going to put a microphone in fiery, passionate guy's face while he's in the throes of fiery passion, and then you're going to get mad because he's excited? And the other thing that's really bugging me about this is how Richard Sherman is saying, well, now I'm taking all this heat. People calling, you know, people are calling me a thug. I'm that's not BS. a thug. And I was like, uh, really? Because, you know, the thing is, they're making it a racial thing. 
anybody can be a thug. Okay, it doesn't. You don't have to be a black person to be a thug. It's and I don't know how deep I want to go down that rabbit hole because I I do believe that thug has become kind of a twenty first century uh, uh, derogatory word uh, because they call Justin Bieber a thug. Yeah. But you notice Justin Bieber, Bieber got in trouble with the law 13 times, and he's now uh, you know, potentially going to jail. Richard Sherman, by all accounts, is just a guy who talks smack on a football field and is very good at his job. When you talk personally on national TV about somebody and you get that angry, you're acting in a thug-like okay, manner. I'll give you that. No, I'll go there. I'll go there. I just think when people use the word thug— I mean, thug, if he says, I'm not a thug because last week I went to the grocery store and bought groceries. Well, yeah, nobody is a thug all the time. Okay, fair. Even thug life, if a two-year-old hands you a phone, a toy phone, you answer that. Yes. I mean, everybody does. I would just I would just argue that the word thug has certain connotations with certain audiences, and they it tend does. to be using it in a derogatory fashion— and potentially race could be an issue, but we're a comedy show. We don't want to get well, too I use the dark word, there. I use the word thug, and I don't necessarily use it for people of African-American persuasion. I, I, persuasion. I use it for people that act a certain way, that act like, you know, they are... They're acting hard. Hard or okay. above the law. Okay. You know. Fair enough. And yeah. I think, to be fair, from that interview, you could take some thuggish behavior from I it. Just, you know, I just find it interesting. I just don't like, like the way people use the word. I, I basically didn't just like... How Richard Sherman was like, oh, now I'm the victim. Well, you're the one who caused it, so shut up. Well, I'm the victim. I mean, he might be the victim of some bad press. Yeah. Then, you know, then say, hey, great game, huh? Maybe learn your lesson <laughs> and shut your mouth next time. Win, and then just say, yeah, it was a good game. Hey, Aaron Andrews. GG. Well played, everybody. I'm going to go celebrate with my teammates. Yes. Bye. <laughs> I mean, then you're not called a thug by anybody, right. to be fair. So Now, if he had... Now, if Richard Sherman had done the opposite and been very gracious at the end of the game, and then people were on Twitter saying how well-spoken he was, then I would have a problem with it. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> then that's racist. <laughs> okay, so what's your prediction then? Now, this is early predictors. We'll do more extensive talking about Super Bowl matchups and whatnot next week. What is your prediction for the Super Bowl, Denver, Seattle, who you got? <sighs> Ray, as you know, I hate... And don't say the Chiefs. I hate the Denver Broncos so much that I... I don't know if I can even be objective about this. Okay. I want Seattle to win so bad. Don't you root for your division, though? No, I do not. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, no real person actually Uh, does that. You know what? In college, if somebody from the Big Ten is in the national championship game, I will. and it's not my team, and it's the same conference, I will do that. I will do that except for one case. If it's... Ohio State. If it's Ohio State, there's 0% chance I'm ever going. In any context, I don't care if it's their water polo team and they're playing against aliens from outer space who, you know, loser's planet gets destroyed. Part of me is still going to be cheering for those aliens. Now, when Nebraska was still in the Big 12, it was kind of like a a, a win-win situation because Oklahoma was always in the big, uh, always in the national championship game. Them or Texas. Several times. So uh, I would kind of cheer for them but then if they lost i would be secretly happy also you know it's fair yeah you want it, it's like but I, there is an, i'm in no way shape or fashion going to cheer for the denver broncos and i mean if i'm using just my brain yeah uh you know i think that denver's offense is going to be tough to stop but seattle has the best defense and defense wins championships that is true like you would think just based on that one piece of information when the best offense goes up against the best defense immovable force irresistible object or something like that and then i would also say who has the best running game and i would say that's seattle also beast mode man mm-hmm. marshawn lynn so you are officially calling now, seattle as your winner and the biggest factor in this game could be you know 
just like you thought against New England and Denver, if it's if it's cold, if it's cold and bad weather, windy, snowy, there is a polar Seattle. vortex it's, going on. It's Seattle all day. If it's sixty and warm in New York, Yee. I think God wants Denver to win. <laughs> it's possibly true. <laughs> or it'll be like zero degrees until the day of the Super Bowl, and then the, the heavens will open. 72 and sunny, and it goes right back to being zero again the next day. I mean, let me ask you then this. Then I right. believe. Let me ask you this, right? Yes, sir. If Denver wins this Super Bowl, what do you think the odds are that Peyton Manning retires, goes off zero the sunset? Then zero percent. Then I'm not cheering for Denver to win. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, Peyton Manning's already said he's coming back next year no matter what happens. You know why? Because if he wins two, you don't think he wants to come back next year and beat and tie Tom Brady at three? Well, I think you putting have, himself in that elite category. I mean, I think unless you are on your last legs, which I mean, you he would, is. We, well, you would think he kind of is, but based on his play this year, he just had the best statistical season of any quarterback in history. How long can he keep that up, though? Right, but you just had. He's that. one good hit away from being retired. You just did that, and you and you win the Super Bowl. You have to come back and defend the title because he's such a competitor. That I mean, I will not take anything oh, yeah. away from Peyton you Manning. You think that's true? He's a competitive guy. Yeah, you tell that to John Elway in 1990. Oh, he did come back and win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, my bad. Yeah, but did he not retire after the second Super Bowl? He did. And Peyton Manning would probably retire after his third Super Bowl as well. Mm-hmm. You would think. You would think. Well, I tell you, I think Denver is going to win this game. Um, weather will be a factor, and obviously that will play a, a big portion in, in where I would spin on the day of the game. But I absolutely, it just seems like the writing's on the wall. Seattle's been getting every single break, and it's, I think a lot of it's also going to come down to the way the game is officiated because Seattle, uh, excuse me, Seattle's defense gets away with a ton of holding, mm-hmm. a ton of hand-checking, a ton of pass interference, and at the same time, Denver's off- offense gets away with the same stuff. So if the referees just get their hands off of it... Let them play. Let them play. I think play. if they let them play, let them play, I think if they just let them play, it it that that forebodes well for Seattle. I think if there's a lot of penalties, that's then it's going to be Denver because it's going to be like, oh, defensive holding. Wow, that's the eighth defensive holding penalty on Seattle. And uh, in a side note, Denver's up by five touchdowns. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. So, well, well, we'll talk about it next week. Maybe even set up a bet, huh? Let's do it. Maybe a shame bet or something. Let's do it. Mm, but we'll talk about that next week. But next, we have a big interview coming up. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm not yes. doing any shame bet where I have to wear some kind of Denver apparel. That's not happening. Oh. Just like if there was a, you know, a Super Bowl and it was the Green Bay Packers. And I said, well, you can wear loser wears Packers gear. You would not be doing that bet either. I would not. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. So that's fair. So we'll be right back to do our big interview that you have with um, Joe Banner, Brown CEO. After three seconds of... The Rolling Stones. And we're back. So. What's up, dog? Yeah, so earlier today, yeah, I was able to. I was to, working all day. I wasn't right. able to do anything. I was able, when I saw that the coaching decision came down to hire uh, Buffalo defensive coordinator Mike Petton. Mike Petton. As the new. Uh, Cleveland Browns head coach. Oh, you're Cleveland Browns. You're so wacky. I got in touch with a few contacts I have in the Cleveland area, and I was able to get an interview with Joe Banner. Joe Banner, that's the CEO of the Browns. That is correct. Oh, my gosh, it's so exciting. That's a pretty good get. And you did it without me. Well, you were at work, and I figured you hate Cleveland anyway, so... So what better chance would I have to make fun of them than... Yeah, well, I'm 
their own local media I'm refers to them as the three stooges, though. I'm not going to make fun of a guy when I'm interviewing an executive in the NFL, an a actual good person. We want these guys to come back, right? Yes. I mean, Hobo Bo does not come back if you insult him. Unlike how, you know, I'm pretty sure Chud's not going to come back to, to Cleveland. He's a lifelong Browns guy, too. Yeah. yeah. No, not anymore, he isn't. All right, fair. So uh, does David have this queued up? Our yep. producer, David Knoll? You got right. it queued up? Yeah, so let's go ahead and listen to the interview. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, I have with me uh, Joe Banner of the Cleveland Browns. It's a real big pleasure to come on your show. So this is NBC? And <laughs> this is the Raisin Brent podcast. We're in Los Angeles. They're based in Los Angeles. What's that? It's a... It's just a podcast. It gets, you know, you can listen to it on the internet. No, I mean, what's Los Angeles? It's a city. It's, it seems so far away from where I live. It is. It's all the way on the West Coast in California. <sighs> anyway, uh, Mr. Banner, welcome to the show. Hey, I, you know, it is my pleasure to be here. It's finally good to talk to some media that does not criticize me and call me a stooge. Yeah, I saw that in the press conference and, you know, Trust me, I will not be calling you a stooge. What is a human being to do when called a stooge? Do I look curly to you? Do I look Larry to you? Do I even look a little bit mo? Mm, well, we're talking over the the phone, so I don't really know what you look like. I look like a normal person, a okay. normal Ohioan, a proud Ohioan, a man who's very happy to take this Cleveland Browns organization and take them to the next level. Okay, so you believe... That hiring Mike Pettin, defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, that's the next step in the in the Cleveland Browns? I absolutely believe that it will be the next step towards Cleveland Browns finally getting our way to five wins in a season. You got to do baby steps. Because it seems like, well, you won five games this season with Chudzinski, so if you're, baby going, steps. if you're going to have five wins, you should have... Shouldn't you have just stayed with Chudzinski, a lifelong Cleveland? I'm glad you brought that point up, Brent. A lot of people have been asking me, why did you fire Chudzinski, a lifelong Cleveland Browns guy, after just one season? And the answer is obvious. Five wins. Okay, but you just said you're going to win five wins next season. But we wouldn't have if we had kept Coach Chud as our coach. You're saying you would have gone down less than five wins. That is the plan, I think. Okay. Well, run me through this because it seems like, you know, there were a rash of people that that said no or you couldn't get. Uh, you know, that's all that's all malarkey under the fountain as far as I'm concerned. So you tell me you did not want Adam Gase, you know, offensive coordinator of Denver, to be the head coach? Of course we didn't want Adam Gase. You know, sure, he was tops on our list at the time, but that doesn't mean we were actually going to hire him. See, we came to him with a really gracious one-year contract. Because we plan to fire him at the end of one year anyway. I think I see where this is going now. So, so, the, so you also interviewed Josh McDaniels and offered him a one-year one contract? Year co- actually, Josh McDaniels was a little bit different. We didn't have as much confidence in Mr. McDaniels' three-game contract. You know who you should have offered a one-year contract to is, is Lane Kiffin, because he, I don't think he stays anywhere more than one year. Well, we, again, we were going to offer him a one-year contract, but he wanted a one-year contract... With a one-year potential extension, and we say no, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, oh, what do you, what do you think we are? Yeah. The University of Tennessee? We wouldn't want you back. Well, that sounds like crazy talk. That's right. Okay, so that's just a up, rooster in the so, fox house, right there. That doesn't make a slightest bit of sense. So, I guess a naysayer would say Cleveland, 
They have a pretty good defense already. That's the mainstay of their team right now. I would argue that our defense is one of the defenses in the NFL. Yeah, well, I would say that it's the strength of your team. Would you not agree? I mean, I feel like this, the quarterback play is where you're really, really lacking right now. I'd like to say that we are going to be looking at a quarterback in this year's draft. The problem is they're all just too young. Okay, so you have a veteran quarterback in mind? Well, I mean, I know you can't talk about... We aren't allowed to talk about exactly who we're looking for. The okay. problem is you look at Johnny Manziel, right? He's, what, 21 years old? Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater, another top recruiting guy. He's, what, 21, 22 years old? Can't we get somebody who's 30? <laughs> yeah. Why? Where are all the 30-year-olds you in the draft? Have, you already have Brandon Whedon. And it works the, great for us. He no, won you, five quarter, games this year as the quarterback of your Cleveland Browns. Okay, this is what I don't understand. You hired Mike Pettin, defensive coordinator. He develops quarterbacks. No, yeah, and what you need to do is hire an offensive guy. Who would develop quarterbacks. Not an offensive guy like Lane Kiffin, an offensive guy. Yes. Okay, so but then you hired a defensive we, coordinator. We tried instead. to we tried to go after an offensive guy. I brought in this guy Andrew Dice Clay because he's known for being very offensive when he talks. And I figured, what better way to pile up the yardage than bringing a guy who's going to talk about his ding dang doodle? Uh, you really have no idea about football at all, do you? I am the CEO of the Cleveland Browns. That is definitely a professional football team, sir. Okay. If you're going to be insulting, I, it's I, like I'm back no, in I, Cleveland I, again. I apologize. I apologize. Okay. But my question is, you're, it still stands the same thing. Your quarterbacks have not been good. So why did you hire a coach that's a defensive coach when you need someone to bring up a quarterback and foster a quarterback relationship? Okay. We talk about great quarterbacks. We'll say of the 1990s, a great decade. Name me some great quarterbacks of the 1990s named Jim Kelly. Go. Jim Kelly was maybe the best quarterback of the 1990s. And what team did Jim Kelly play for? The Buffalo Bills. Oh, and where did Mike Pettin come from? The Buffalo Bills. So therefore, boom. He was not there in the 1990s. Doesn't matter. He was Championship under- pedigree stays with a team for many, many years just beyond a, where it goes. Just a couple years ago, he was under Rex Ryan, not even running his own defense. So he's kind of a new defensive coordinator. He's not an offensive guy. I mean... So you're going to have to now make sure that you hire a really good offensive coordinator, look, look, correct? Brent, I can tell you're confused. I can tell you're confused. I'm right not now. confused. I, I think you're confused. And I, what I want to know is who you're going to hire now. Is, uh, no, before I even go there, and we'll be talking about our offense in just a second, but he comes from the Buffalo Bills, one of the greatest defenses of our generations and eras. And can you even tell me where the Buffalo Bills ranked in defense last year? Uh, they were 10th. In overall defense. Boom. Yardage-wise. Yes. But they were 20th in points. And I would argue that points is what really matters. Some might argue that you win football games by scoring points and not allowing your opponents to score as many points. Mm -hmm. We in Cleveland have taken a different approach. It's all about getting dirty. The dirtiest team is clearly the one trying harder, and I think that's how you win the hearts and minds of the people. Okay, so who are you going to bring in for your offensive coordinator then? Oh, we have a lot of different options that we've been talking about. Well, tell me who. Well, first off, we were talking about uh, the aforementioned Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is an offensive juggernaut. He's a guru. 
He's a man named Lane. He's that's like a, street, no. and that's paving the way for victory. Lane Kiffin is a is a cancer on every team he goes to, and he's already at I Alabama. Don't care what zodiac sign he is i don't work in that hocus pocus magic stuff okay. i don't know what front offices you've been hanging around fine lane kevin you're not gonna get lane kevin who else is on your list oh well we also have many other men on our list we have jerry glanville great run and shoot offense we like high octane jerry glanville jerry glanville was a former he's got former head coaching experience and he's very available these days what? Is Gary Glanville even alive? He is absolutely. How? What, what kind of a research department do you have on this podcast? I don't. Sorry, I don't study coaches that haven't coached for twenty years. Listen, I went to go see him at Sunny Valley Acres Retirement Community. <laughs> oh my! God. And let me. Can you? Do you even know the man plays shuffleboard? He's absolutely fantastic. And I went and I talked to him, and we we turned on his favorite program, and you know what? It turned out to be my favorite program: Diagnosis Murder. Didn't even know the show was on TV anymore, and I loved it. And I'll tell you, we had a very delightful meal together while talking football and watching Diagnosis Murder. And do you know what we ate? Uh, Just go ahead and guess what we ate. I'm going to guess green jello. Isn't it great? (laughs) It's my favorite food. All right, okay. We unfortunately were not able to come to terms with Mr. Glanville as... He doesn't really speak so coherently anymore, and he kept asking if I was his mother. We don't need that in an offensive coordinator. Boy, uh, Mr. Banner, would you look at the time? Uh, I think we're just running out of time for this interview right now. That's uh, that's okay. I, I could go for another 10 minutes. I've got nowhere to be. I live in Cleveland. What is there to do? Fine. You can force me to tell you. I have plenty of time, but I feel like this is a waste of I can't believe we're going to put this on the air because we had to put something on the air. We're going to put this on the air. And you, sir, you know what I want to say to you before we go, Mr. Banner? You're a stooge. You're a stooge. I don't hate to say this about you, but you are. You're a stooge. You're Larry Moe Curl. You might be Shemp. I think you're Shemp. You are Shemp Brown. And I also appreciate the music of Iggy Pop as much as anybody else, but I fail to see what that has to do with our interview. Joe Banner, everybody. Wow, Brent, that was informational. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to say how weird the interview was because I was like, "Well, maybe it won't sound as weird when I listen back to it." As it, no, that was pretty terrible. I can see where the people in Cleveland have no hope. Ah, yeah. I kind of feel bad for him. (laughs) No, I don't. Not even a little bit. Well, if that's people they have running the team, I mean, no wonder. No wonder. I mean, that guy doesn't know anything about football at all. In any case, let's come back and talk about Justin Bieber. You want to do that? Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll do it after three seconds of Van Morrison. It's a brown-themed show. It's the Raisin Brent Show, and we're talking about things that are brown with song. If I was your brown friend. Brownie, 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 oh. So you want to talk a little bit about the Justin Bieber's? I mean, I do and I don't. You don't want to give him more attention, but it's in the public consciousness right now, and you're fired up about it. I we, we were just talking for about five segments worth, and you got angry. You were shouting. It's just like, you can shout here. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I just I have a problem with young punks that just have never had to be accountable to anything, and then they they never really are held to anything, you know. And then, but on, on the other hand. You know, he's been enabled by everyone, 
you got to imagine it starts with his parents because he got famous at what, 15 years old? Mm-hmm. And that's the moment when it, the money starts coming in, the fame starts coming in, the accolades and what have you, that the, you really need someone to ground you and keep you centered in reality. That's how a lot of these these young guys, and I've, met, I've known a lot of like these young child star guys who ended up totally fine and totally cool and some of the nicest people you're right. ever going to meet, but it's only because they had a good family unit and friend unit around them to keep them grounded in reality so that way they don't become jerk faces later on in life. Okay, so let's set up the this, this story, you know, I mean, actually. Well, who doesn't know the story by now? Well, maybe. But... Well, rehash for the people at home in case you've been living on the moon. Well, it was basically it was just like one week ago when he got in trouble for egging his neighbor's house. $20,000 in damage? Which is possibly going to be a felony. Deportation. Yeah, deportation. Just saying. Maybe. It's possible. Uh, and then, you know, he's in Florida, and he and his friend decide that it's a good idea to both rent Lamborghinis, get drunk, smoke weed, mm-hmm. have their entourage block the street behind them with their SUVs so that so that they can be nice and safe with all their illegal activity. You know what? I'd like to appreciate Bieber keeping it safe for Grandma. I, when I, yo, when I am driving drunk and high, I am safe. <laughs> I keep it safe when I'm breaking nine traffic laws. Yeah. Uh, and then when the cops pull him over, he, first of all, he won't get out of the car. He refuses to get out of the car. He's dropping F-bombs on them. He's cursing out and, the police officers. And then when he gets out of the car, he won't take his hands out of his pockets. I mean, I feel like what what annoys me the most about this is, is if I did one out of those nine things, I would be in jail. You would be shot. Yeah. Be shot if on I did the side one of the out road. of those nine things, I would be in jail. If I did two out of those nine things, but, I, I've, or three, I would be shot. Let me ask you this police. question, though. Would 19-year-old Brent, if you had all the fame, money, you knew you were above the law... And all of that stuff was true, and you were living his life. Wouldn't you have done something equally as stupid back when you were 19 and had no concept of anything? Well, if I'm being completely honest with you, Ray, you're probably absolutely right. If I'm being completely honest with you. I would have done many stupid things. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I just was too broke to. And I'm not upset at Justin Bieber as much as I am at, like, I feel like society and maybe his parents. Yeah, I'm going to say society because... He's had a lot of brushings with the law. There's plenty of a chances of his parents to kind of intervene and his and his uh his whole support system, his lawyers and all these different people, and either he's not listening, which They're is empowering possible, him. Let's face fact. Nobody's like telling him no. Nobody's telling him nobody's no. Nobody's telling him no. Nobody's going to tell him no as long as the checks keep clearing. Right. And they good checks, I can only assume. Mm-hmm. The fact he lives with a guy named Little Za. <laughs> Who knew that? Is that like pizza? I mean, where we're going with that? Honestly, I I don't wish uh, you know violence on anyone, but I do feel like all of this. He needs a whooping. Yeah, part of this could be solved if you know in one of those videos when he's threatening to be like, "Oh, if I didn't have these people hold me back, I would whip your beep." If the, if they just let him go for three seconds and he got beat up, what's he? I love it because he's five seven. Yeah, he's a tiny tiny fellow. five seven and weighs about what one thirty bucko five. I mean, yeah, you know what? Let him go. Let him go when he's getting all belligerent and, and hostile. And let's just see how he does against what happens. anybody in the world. Right. <laughs> I have a feeling your dogs could take Justin Bieber in a fight. Right. And I'm counting the chihuahua in that one. <laughs> My, it's a lot of energy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, the, and the, you know, here's the, here's, the, here's the kicker to the whole situation, okay? Yeah. What I really want, I, don't, I just want him to be a productive person in society. You know, he's he's got talent. He doesn't have to, though. He doesn't owe you anything. Okay, that's what I want, though. 
Okay. That's what I want because I want all of us to be kind of productive people inside. I just don't want I don't want people to just like taking and taking and taking and they don't ever give anything back, you know. Well, he gives uh, back to managers and yeah. publicity people but, and community service. But it's all but everyone's everyone's a part of it, you know. The the law enforcement is a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we as uh people that are the stars are part of it. People that service the stars are part of it. You know, they're all part of this big community. So, it disturbs me when all of these things happen. And then I hear that his bail is set at $2,500. $2,500, everybody. Multi-millionaire 19-year-old commits, th- what, he's been in the trouble with the law 13 times, you were telling me before mm-hmm. we recorded. 13 times he's had run-ins with the law. Bail set. $2,500. Yeah. Uh, drag racing, underage drunk, underage drinking, and underage DUI, and under the influence of marijuana. And there may be other things. Resisting arrest, peacefully resisting arrest, but still resisting arrest, two thousand five hundred dollars. I just, I just have a weird feeling. So there's yeah. other people maybe wouldn't have gotten only twenty five hundred dollars right. under that circumstance. So Some, again, a lot of people so I know wouldn't gotten that. It's anything. almost like he's still being enabled because that you got to Brent, and this is and this is a very it's a very serious affliction that he has, affluenza. He's got a really bad case of affluenza, and he has been led to believe that money can buy him out of all situations, and he's right. So shouldn't you just be feeling bad for him? He's a victim in all this. What would have happened? I know this isn't what did happen. Let's play hypothetical theater with Brent. What if some kids are out playing, you know, oh, they snuck out of the house at three in the morning, and they're just running across the street. and They heard Bieber was out there. And they get run over by Justin Bieber. Then what happens? Well, again, just like the kid in Texas, he has affluenza, and he's allowed to kill four people while drinking and driving. And then nothing happens to him because he's rich. He's a white kid, and he's Canadian. And then if you talk to Bieber about, well, you know, this is what happened to other people, he's like, well, that ain't me. So He knows he's special. That's why he acts that way. You act like this is all, like, weird. Like, we haven't seen it. Like, Danny Bonaducci hasn't existed in a previous generation. But you know what? Danny Bonaducci, he's already gone through that lowest level. And now I would dare say he's he's a productive member of society. Now, there's a problem, though, that is once you've made X number of millions of dollars like Justin Bieber has at this age, unless you really, really get stupid or you get screwed by somebody like Mike Tyson did, it's hard to ever really hit rock bottom because you're still going to have millions of dollars. Not true. You don't think? How many millions of dollars do you think Michael Jackson had? How many would you say he had? I mean, how many? How much bigger is his career than Justin Bieber's was if you... Why put an M in front of Ilion? Right. Okay. (laughs) That's where I'll go with that. And at the end, he he basically was bankrupt. He had a personal amusement park. Yeah. These things, I don't see, I see Justin. That they had to shut down. But it's not like Justin Bieber bought the Lamborghini. He only rented it. Yeah. So he's making good financial decisions, just not good life choices along the way. I'm just saying nobody's money lasts forever when you got 100 people in your pocket. Bieber, Justin Bieber would get punked. In a jail cell with the cast of Orange is the New Black. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> to be fair, Crazy Eyes. Not even be his wife in the I'm first. I'm not day. even saying that they're real criminals. I'm saying just the actresses that play those parts in a jail cell would be to beat up Justin Bieber. Uh, maybe not Piper. She she weighs less than he does. <laughs> she's wiry, but she's strong. She's like 92 pounds. Uh, still a lovely woman, though. Very very good. She actress. does bicker yoga three times a week. That Yeesh. counts for something. Yeesh. But she only eats twice a week. That's the problem. <laughs> hey, everybody. So anyway, so you think Justin B, is he ever going to turn this around? Probably not, right? I don't think I don't he's going to I don't see any world it. where he turns it around. No, he's going to end up probably, you know, being on one of those behind the music things eventually. 
Now, I mean, look, this happened so many times before. Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice has got his stuff together, though, right now. Now he does. Yeah. He hit rock bottom. He sure did. He went bankrupt. But Justin Bieber is arguably much bigger deal than Vanilla Ice even True. was in his heyday. But, you know, like, I, th- I believe it was Patrick Ewing that said one time, well, yeah, we make a lot of money, but we also spend a lot of money. You know, I believe it was Latrell Sprewell who once said, I'm going to sign that $10 million contract. My kid's got to eat. Yeah. So... What do they eat? Gold? Let's say, I mean, let's say just for example that... Um, who was the guy we were talking about before that we were comparing him to? Oh, Vanilla Ice. Let's say Vanilla Ice made $50 million, and Bieber probably made a billion dollars. Well, Vanilla Ice probably spent $48 million, and Bieber probably spent... He rents his cars! Anyway, uh, here's hoping that he turns it around. I don't cheer, you know, wish ill will on anyone, but... Uh, and I don't uh, want to wish it on anybody, but what happens if he, like, flips the, flips the car next time, and he ends up not surviving through it, and he's seen as a James Dean-style icon that, for years and years well, here's to the come? Deal. That will never happen. You don't he think? Will not, he will not be seen that way. You don't think? No. Okay. Well, I hope, I hope for his sake he lives. I, I do, too. And I hope for the world's sake we get more I Bieber. I mean, I... I always cheer for comeuppance, though. I feel like you have to have the comeuppance before you can learn your lesson. It's like the guy who was poking the guy pretending to be a statue, and then the statue punches him in the face. Mm -hmm. We all want to see Bieber get punched in the face, whether it be by a actual person or society at large. So that he can get better. But it's never going to happen. I don't see it. Something's going to happen. He's going to live in a dream world for his entire life. He's never going to face any real consequences for his actions. He's going to get enabled... Well, the end, America. I think America. But here's the deal, Ray. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be 19 year olds, 19 years old forever. He's going to be 29 years old and still living the same life. No, his type of career is he's not going to be a. Career. He won't have a career. He won't have a career when he's 29. Okay, no. and then he won't have the money coming in. But he'll already have the money. Yeah, what's and, it matter? And he'll be so used to spending all that money that he's going to lose all the money. I hope you're right. Side bet. Sometime in the next 10 years, Ray. <laughs> I hope you're right. I really do. I mean, there's here's a dude that clearly needs some sort of shock and awe, cold water mm-hmm. in the face. I just don't think he's going to get it. He deserves Sorry, it. Sorry, everybody. He deserves it. I hope he gets it. But in a loving way, Ray. With love. From the Raisin Brent show. And by, what, by that, I mean I would love for it to happen. I would love to be the one who does it to him. Exactly. Be the one who punches him in the face. Yes. In any case, we're going to come back and wrap up the show following three seconds of... James Brown. Papa's got a brand new... And we are back, and we're going to wrap up the show in a sec, but first I've got to ask you, Brown, some great shows, some great TV shows, mm-hmm. a lot of fun I'm having. Yeah. So let's talk about it for a sec, right? Okay. I mean, um, I've been watching The Blacklist no, with no, James I, Spader. I don't watch that show. Is that with the dude from Less Than Zero, that guy? Yeah. Okay. You don't, you don't watch that? Robert California from The Office. Okay. No. Okay. Well, no. no, it's cool. Well, I've been also, you know, keeping up with Marvel Agents of Shield. I love comic books, and so yeah. Oh can, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, told, I watched the first two episodes. I did not enjoy it. It's gotten better, but but you haven't seen it. No. What about True Detective? Matthew McConaughey is so good. Yes. He's so good in this, and it's the HBO original series. I do get HBO, and yeah. I was very excited about the show. I've yeah. not, I've not watched it though. You, you haven't watched a single one of those shows. No. Oh, you know what we both watch. That is back on now. What's that? Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. I have it on my DVR. On PBS. I, or as they say on PBS, and now the next episode of Sherlock. I have not actually seen that. It's on my DVR. I oh, okay, cool. Cool. So this will be fun. I'll tell you what happens in the first episode. Why would we do that? It'll be amazing. I will teach you things. You will know. And then when you watch, you can act 
act like you don't know what's happening, and you can be like, oh, I bet you that Sherlock's going to do this. But my wife's already seen it. Well, but you can still like She knows you haven't seen it. She so does. Then, then when you watch together with her, you can be like, oh, I bet you this is going to happen. She, and she'll be like, Ray, how'd you know that was going to happen? I can't believe it. You're so smart. You're so smart. How'd you get so smart? When did she become Mel Blank? I don't know. Yeah. It's <laughs> very exciting. No, that's just her being unbelie- not a believer of, in your uh, uh, To be fair, Brent, we both know why that wouldn't work, and that's because I'm a terrible actor. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, why fight it? Why fight it? Why fight well, it? you have to watch it, and you have to keep up on Sherlock, since that's the one show we do watch. Do you watch Downton Abbey? No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm no, a you're dude. A white, no, you're a white guy. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Sherlock, that's going to be our thing now. Every week, Sherlock's on. We have to talk about it. So you need to catch up. Next week, we'll talk about Sherlock, because that's a good show to talk about. It'll be our Sherlock slash Super Bowl episode of Raisin Brands. But now it's time to do some thank yous and contact information, everybody. You can contact me on Twitter. I'm at Almighty Ray. And I'm at Scoops Pope. You can also get a hold of the show at Ray Brent Podcast. Heck, hit us up on Facebook. That's our main site. That's Facebook.com slash Ray Brent Podcast. Or you can email the show. Ray Brent podcast at gmail.com. We got some thank yous to do as well. We got to thank our musicians. The train wrecks. I think the train wrecks. Got to thank Jeremy Buck in the bang. We got to thank David Knoll, our producer over there in the booth. I am number one. Yeah, I know. We also got to th- we'll thank Greg Lopez, our favorite British guy. Is he British now? He's only been there for like six months. Now he's British? He's now British. Yes. Okay. He is officially drinking tea and crumpets every day. They drink mm-hmm. crumpets, right? That's yeah. a thing. Yeah. That they do. That's a dance they do over there. That's absolutely fantastic. So I know we also got to thank, of course, our good friend, Jordan, Jordan Monsell, our favorite artist, drew our logo as well. Now, you know, it's, I, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and she thought his name was Jordan Monsell. But if we say Jordan Monsell, then we can't say, Mon, sell me some silhouettes. You can Mon-I-us. Yeah. No, it doesn't, it doesn't so let's just call him, for the sake of the show, we're going to call him Jordan Monsell. Yeah. So yeah, also hit us up on iTunes. You can always send us a glowing five-star review. We'll read it on the air. Uh, we haven't checked in about two months now, but I'm sure there's going to be something here for next week, right? Yep. Why not? And you can also check us out on Stitcher Radio. Stitch, Get the Stitcher app for your phone. Check us out, Raisin Brent Podcast. Raisin Brent Show. It's something like that. I should have done the research. I don't actually know. Brent, anybody you want to thank? Uh, I'd like to thank Matt Stafford. Okay, why? Because, I, well, Ray. Yes? I'm a big music fan. You are? And I always love it when I discover, you know, music that I should have known about a long time ago and didn't or just discovered it and was like, oh, wow, this is really good. So I was, okay. I went to this like place with the used CDs and I was flipping through and I was like, oh, my God. Matt Stafford. I did not know he was the front man for a band, and then I so I bought it just because I thought it'd be. What are you talking about? I was about? like, this is going to be terrible. It was clearly him, and then I uh, I listened to it and I was like, this is really good. He did you know that Matt Stafford? He could play the harmonica for like days. That guy's crazy, and he sings that one song that. He's not the lead singer of Blues Traveler. That's clearly him. He's not even fat. That's clearly him. What are you talking about? But I will give him credit for not accidentally swallowing the harmonica. Good night, everybody. You're gonna have to drag me out in chains. You're gonna have to drag me out in chains. You're gonna have to drag me out in chains. So we got Guns N' Roses, Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, who sings Brown Eyed Girl? 
<laughs> what? Are you serious? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know music very well. What? What you gonna shame me about this? Yeah, I am. Okay, who what, what are you talking about? Who doesn't know who sings Brown Eye Girl. Nobody knows who sings Brown Eye Girl. It's, it's Jim Morrison from The Doors. Jim oh, Morrison. okay, cool. All right, The Doors. No, it's not. It's I, Van Morrison. Come on, what is wrong with you? Who? Does that Brown Eye Girl? Does that really sound like Jim Morrison? No, who the day destroys the night, my Brown Eye Girl. It does. Do those sound okay, the same to you? It doesn't sound at all the you same. You bring on through, bring on through. Hey, hey. What is wrong with you? I made the mistake of trusting you for five seconds, and it, it always, as usual, comes back to bite me. Well, here's the deal, Ray. I don't think it was five seconds. I hate you so much. 